Welcome to Back to Debbie. It's 7 a.m. Eastern Time, the only time zone that is scared of hurricanes. And no, I am not talking about the football team. We are the premier Debbie show brought to you by Campus to Ken. I'm Mike, and that's my co-host, Corey. We are back, and we are also officially one-third of the way through the season, which means that it is time to adjust some rankings. So Corey and I are going to talk some rankings, but first, let's start off with the news, Corey. Yeah, so we'll start over here with Stanford, and uh, Stanford running back EJ Smith was having a little bit of a nice uh, breakout season here. Was Some people were hoping that maybe he could climb into the D2 conversation. He was starting to be really productive for the season, but he looks like he's going to be out for the entire season now, so that's kind of a blow to that stock. Probably going to be coming back for next year now. Um, heading over to Texas A&M wide receiver, Anaya Smith also out for the season. Um, he's going to be kind of an interesting one when the draft time comes around, played a little bit of running back, played a little bit of wide receiver, a little bit smaller, uh, going to be a weird guy to kind of uh, assess going into the draft season. Um, Coastal Carolina quarterback, uh, Grayson McCall, a guy that some people like, I know he's a G5 guy, but um, he has a lot of supporters out there. Uh, there was some speculation last week that uh, he had a season ending injury, um, but it looks like he's practicing. will apparently start this weekend. So nothing to worry about there. Um, going over to Utah, Tight end Brant Keith out for the season with a torn ACL. Um, I don't really think Keith is that much of a Debbie asset. He's a little bit small for the tight end position. I think he's like 6'2", 230 pounds. Um, but this does open up the doorway for their second tight end, Dalton Kincaid there. Uh, much better size at 6'4", 240 pounds. Um, he was a guy I talked about last week. If you want to go a little bit more in depth and listen to uh, when I talked to him there uh, on last week's episode, um, great red zone weapon for them. Led in, led them in reception touchdowns, I believe, last year. So he could see a massive, massive stock boost this uh, this year in this tight hand, uh, tight hand heavy offense without Keith in the picture as well. Now um, heading over to K- Kentucky, your alma mater there, uh, running back um, Christopher Rodriguez uh, is expected to return this week. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Another guy that could climb a little bit more into this class. And uh, last but not least, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers is apparently close to his return, could come as soon as this week, is practicing, is going to be there dressed last week, but didn't play. So hopefully we'll see him return to the field sooner than later. I hope they give him a little bit of rest because I think their playoff dreams are done for the year. (laughs) But but speaking of QBs, man, let's talk about this QB class first. And before we get into the 2023 QB class, if the NFL draft happened tomorrow, how many QBs do you think are going in the first round? Yeah, I still think there's enough hype around these guys like Will Levis. Um, I was even listening to the Athletic uh, podcast the other day, and um, they were talking about Will Levis as the number one quarterback in this class. Uh, some love for Hendon Hooker in that podcast as well. Um, a guy that the community is big on, and Anthony Richardson as well. Really intriguing traits. I don't somebody's going to fall in love with. So I'm still sticking with three here. C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young being the, the two guys that are probably going to go. Um, but I think there's room for one more. I'm just not sure who it's going to be. Uh, I still think we need to see who's going to kind of show themselves throughout the rest of the season here. Yeah, if the NFL draft was tomorrow, for me, the answer is two. I mean, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, a lot of these guys are disappointed. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke was kind of my three up until he got benched this last week. You know, this was his chance to prove it. And I really want to talk about Will Levis here because I'm going to ask you a question in a second here. It's just, what does he have to do to get first-round draft capital? Because campus kid as a whole is just lower on him than probably the, the, the consensus. So what, what do you think? What do you think he needs to get done to become the locked and loaded like third QB in this class? Uh, he has to play better. 
<laughs> I think it, I think it just comes out the basics. I just want to see him play a little bit better. I think he hasn't looked as good without Wandale being there as well. I think that really helped last year for him. Um, this year, maybe he hasn't found that guy. I think he's looking really nice. Barry and Brown is looking nice, but I haven't just been overly impressed with him. I know he's got the tools. He's got the fast release. He's got the nice arm. I just don't think it comes out in games, and I don't think I've seen it against tough competition enough as well. So I need to see him perform a little bit better, uh, especially in the tougher games. Yeah, I love that. He needs to elevate the offense around him for me. It Last year against SEC defenses, he struggled. And it really showed in Wandell's stats, right? We know Wandell is, is good. He's not the issue with the offense. But his, like, ADOT, like, in, against SEC defenses was, like, six points something. And then his ADOT against the, the non-conference play was, like, close to 14. So it was pretty ridiculous that how the offense had to change depending on how strong their defenses were they were playing against because I don't think – I don't think Will Levis processed defense as well. I, I think he's he struggles against against pressure here. Now he looked good against Florida, which is great. You know that's that's a strong defense here. We're coming up on SEC play, but if I see a quarterback can elevate his offense and just just you know play at a consistent level against the SEC here, I I think I'm feel comfortable putting him in the first. But I still believe, and I will believe this up until the draft, that he is a project. I just think he's a project that teams will be in on. He just needs to stop putting mayo in his coffee, and then maybe we can talk. Then, then maybe I'll accept him on a, on an NFL roster. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, let's roll into twenty twenty three class. We just talked about uh, Bryce Young, uh, CJ Stroud here, uh, Will Levis. I just got you real quick here between CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. Who's uh, who's the one? Who's the two? Yeah, for me, I've been impressed with Young a little bit, moving around a little bit better. He has given me a little bit more confidence, but I'm still rolling with Stroud here. Like Stroud, I, I like I I've been in his corner for a long time. I think one of the first pieces I ever wrote was a piece on CJ Stroud for Breakout Finder back in the day. So I've been writing high on this guy for a long time. Uh, I, I had pushed back a lot last year when everybody was trying to push back or trying to push Kyle McCord uh, into the picture, and I was saying everybody relax just out start off slow i was like relax he's gonna come too. look what we're, where we're standing now he's got the size he's got the arm he's got the offense um i know ohio state quarterbacks are not giving us a lot of confidence in the nfl right now um but all we can do is work with what we can see on the field and to me he's a heisman contender he's a guy who i think is going to go in the first round um and he has the tools i want to see from an nfl quarterback so uh, he's my number one right now but young is not far behind I actually have Young as my one here. I just, if we're doing comps, I think he compares pretty well to Russell Wilson. Uh, he used to bulk up, obviously, but I, I don't have anything negative to say about his game. CJ Stroud has looked a little bit iffy at times this year. I mean, not like, I mean, he's not bad, but there's just been some questionable play, especially that we've won against Notre Dame. It just seems to be not consistent. Again, not enough for me to really worry about here. These guys are going to be the one and two in the draft, but. It's, it's going to be Bryce Young for me, but it's it's honestly potatoes, potatoes here. And then after that, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I am coming around to Will Levis being the number three guy there. I, I think the draft was tomorrow. He'd be more like a third-round grade. But after that, though, like for 2023, like I got nobody, man. Like all of my maybe's have just fizzled out. Like I, I don't know. <laughs> like My radar is now just three guys, and that's about it. Is it the same for you? Yeah, well, I've always been a little bit lower on, on Levis so, or Levi. I don't know how, how you want to say that, but um... – so he's actually in my third tier right now. I still need to see a little bit more from him. I'm still liking the more tools, you guys, that I want to see. So, like, in my second tier, 
it's all upside. Yeah, there's some downside there. there. Yeah, there's some things that guys have to work out, but it's all just upside right now, you know? So I've got like Anthony Richardson in my tier two. Right. I've got Hendon Hooker in my tier two. I still got Cameron Ward in there too. I think he's looked better every game in the season this year. He's still adjusting to power five play. He's still got those tools. I still want to see that a little bit. And then when you're hopping into your third tier, it's guys with kind of like question marks, um, but maybe have some, have some upside here. Like, like Will Levis is in this tier as well. I've got Devin Leary in this tier. Um, I've got Arkansas quarterback KJ Jefferson, who's a little bit interesting, big bodied guy, whatever. And then I've also got another guy in here that that's been a little bit of a hot topic this week, and uh, that's Clemson quarterback uh, DJU. Okay, mm. and uh, and I know mm. uh, we've been off of him before a little bit, but I mean, this guy's ten touchdowns to one interception right now, sixty five percent completion percentage. He's three and zero or four and zero. Their team is four and zero, I believe. Um, he's averaging his best yards per carry right now as a rusher as well. Um, you know, he's still not pushing the ball downfield very much, but I got to get your opinion on this. Where are you sitting on DJU now that we've seen him kind of at least show a little bit of better fit, better play right now? Well, Corey, there must be a heat wave in Canada because I see you got your, your tank on and you, you clearly got a fever here. I, I'm not in it, man. I mean, he had two good games, like what his freshman year, and that's been like that's been, I don't know, anchoring his whole future. Everyone keeps believing him because he had two good games. Now he has one good game, like. That's great, man. But like, let me see you like five or six times. Like, I talk about like a thin line with QBs, and he, he's already crossed that line. I I don't know. I, I really can't. I can't. I can't get back in on him. I just think that we have to like change our overall picture of what we expect him to be. So it's like in the beginning, we expect him to be this big bodied, big arm guy was going to run around, was going to be crazy vertical, and I just don't think that he might not be that guy that we are hoping for. But what he's doing now, he's kind of running the offense well. He's functional. He's not doing anything that he's going to get pulled out. I think he's looked better uh, a little bit mechanically. You can tell he's still trying to figure it out. It looks it looks mechanical. It looks like, like not natural. You know what I mean? Like he's still trying to fix it a little bit. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I know a lot of people really like this guy, so I could still see him somehow climbing into the conversation. Round one talk is probably out of the conversation, but like, you know, maybe we see a day two guy out of this. Maybe we see a project. Maybe we see this guy, you know, Jalen hurts his way into the NFL and then be a, a special guy. I'm going to roll to 2024 now and come on 2024. Right. We got Quinn Ewers. He's hurt. He looked really good for one quarter against Alabama. We also got Caleb Williams here. Jackson Dart was a name for a while. Uh, and then you got Drake May. I, I don't know where you're at with these guys here, but for me, I'll just roll off with uh, Quinn. You still my one. I, I mean, I haven't seen enough. No, but we still got a whole nother year. We got rest of the season. Uh, Caleb Williams is still my two. He looks good. I don't really have much to say about him. Like he he's he is as advertised. He's continuing on from last year. You love to see that. I talked about consistency earlier. And then Drake May. I, I was a huge fan of Drake May earlier preseason here. And I mean, I think I think uh I think we can lock in those three guys. Maybe not Quinn Ewers. I he could fall on his face, but uh definitely locking in Caleb Williams and Drake May for this. What, what do you think? Yeah, like those three are probably the the top three right now. I've got Caleb at one right now, actually. I've always been a little bit lower on Quinn, but he actually really impressed me in, you know, whatever quarter and a half that he played there against right. Alabama. So the, the arrow is pointing up there. I do want to see him continue. He looked better than I expected for a guy who hasn't played football in as long as, he, as he's really played. Um, so I've got Caleb one, I've got Quinn two, May three. And then it's my guy, man. I'm going to ride with him. I don't think they've needed him. So he hasn't been doing a lot and that's throwing some people off, but JJ McCarthy is still that dude for me, man. I still mm. like the tools. I still like him. Um, I, I think he's performed well. 
Um, I do agree with what some of Austin has said as well, about him not playing in structure. Sometimes he works better, you know, getting out of the pocket, trying to find a guy. Um, sometimes when you just want to see him take that three-step drop and hit the out and hit, hit a comeback and hit that rhythm route, he's not super good at that right now. But I still see the tools are all there, and I like the fact that they're going with him. Um, he's going to have a, a, a really good chance to rise his stock. I'm still not off on him being a first-round pick in 2024 either. we got a lot of time here. And this class is super thin, by the way, we're talking about it right now. So so I'm still locking him in as a potential first. And then Dart is still hanging around there as well. Jackson Dart, only missed quarterback. So yeah, uh, he's still hanging up. I mean, is he, is he really hanging around? or, or he's, it's think- just a name. I mean, what other names do we really have in this class? That's 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 the thing, right? So it's like after, so yeah, after, I mean, after those four guys, who do you have? I mean, Jackson Dart is there. Yeah, right. I, mean, I, haven't, I, mean, really adjust, I haven't adjusted those rankings yet because it's just – no. I look at my sheet. I had a solid like group of like 20, maybe, you know, 20 guys. I'm like, I can't wait to watch this year. And now I'm excited to watch two of the 20. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm at the point where I might move Tanner Mordecai up, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, like, I mean, even, even for me, 24 getting, as we get lower, like I'm, I'm already looking at Jalen Milrow, you know what I mean? As a guy who could right. take over Bama next year. So maybe he's the guy, Seth Hennigan, maybe, I don't know. I don't, I don't really love him that much. I didn't love him when I wrote him up for the Debbie profile, kind of a wiry, kind of one read type of guy. But who knows? Feels like, like a Grayson McCall. You know how everyone's like hype on Grayson McCall because of his role yeah. production. But it's like, I mean, I like him because he's he's consistent. But like, is he consistently good enough to be an NFL guy? Or like, right. So no. overall, I just think that it does look a little bit thinner right now. We still need some more guys to kind of climb out of this class. I think. I'm not like 100% off, but I am like 90, 95% off of Jackson Dart and Tyler Buckner. I mean, they're, they're the two guys I had as my, uh, as my like four and five here in this class, like early preseason here. And it's just, I don't know, Ole Miss has switched to a run first offense. So, I mean, I know they don't have good weapons there, but I was hoping they could showcase like Jackson Dart's arm a little bit, especially with that switch between Altmeyer in there. Like I, I hated watching his first game against Troy. Like it was just, it was disappointing and it's just not, it's not rebounding. I mean, he's not like really digging his grave, but like, he's not, he's not really like, you know, he's not flourishing. He's not elevating his offense. He's not doing better. He's just existing. Yeah. It's not, it's not really what we had hoped for when we were kind of hopping on the dart train. Um, especially in the beginning with the Altmeyer battle. I mean, that right there was already signs that maybe this guy wasn't taking over the job as strongly as we had hoped all the way through the, the off season. And then even playing him as much as they did. I mean, I know they eventually landed on the right decision probably with dart, but Altmeyer is pretty good quarterback too. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And Buckner. Yeah. Same thing for me. I mean, this guy was probably a top 10 overall for me. I recently just moved him. I haven't fixed my whole overall rankings yet, but this guy would be lucky to be in my thirties right now. Probably he just looked bad. Like he got his opportunity and he just looked bad as a passer. I mean, Drew Pine is freaking operating this offense a little bit better than Buckner could right now. So, I mean, I, I don't know what to say for the guy. I have no excuses for him anymore. Good athlete could be a fun CFF asset, but I am probably completely out as a Debbie guy or as a, I, as a Debbie asset. now. I jinxed him, man. I, I jinxed him. I said he <laughs> was did, eight for eight did. against Ohio state. And ever since then, I'm, <laughs> Yeah, if anybody doesn't know, Mike tweeted that Buckner was starting out really well against Ohio State, and then it all just went downhill from there, and then he got injured, and it's just like, I'm, I'm blaming you. That's that's what I'm going to do now. It is my fault. <laughs> uh, let's get into the 2025 class. I'm just going to start with my top three here. Not really – well, I'll actually say them in order. I wasn't going to say not in order. But uh, Devin Brown, Drew Aller, Cade Klubnik. I mean, those three guys, we obviously haven't seen Devin Brown. We won't see Devin Brown until next year. Um I don't think Kyle McCord is going to be the guy next year. But anyway, uh, Drew Aller, I'm waiting for him to to uh, kick over Sean Clifford. Maybe Sean Clifford gets hurt. He's pretty injury prone. And then 
Uh, Kate Klubnik, I thought might have taken over, but DJU just had a good game, so it might be a bit of a wait. So are those the same three you got at the top, Corey? Uh, my current top actually is I had Brown at the top in the beginning. So I actually said there was no movement. There was a little bit of movement. I was blown away with the small tidbits of Aller that I've seen. Um, I think he's going to be freaking awesome. I think I almost love the Josh Allen comp for him now that I think, I think it's two, four, seven comp. Um, so I'm not going to take credit for that or I can't remember who, who put it, but the way he moves the velocity out of his arm, the, Man, when he dropped that freaking beauty in on like his first pass, I was just like, oh my God, who is this guy? Like, how is he not starting for this team right now? But so I've got Aller one, I've got Brown two still great offense. If he becomes the guy, then, you know, we always want the Ohio State quarterback. I know like we were talking before, track record isn't great in the NFL, but um, he had the NFL arm on tape. So, so I'm excited to see him. And my three actually is still Ty Simpson for, for Alabama. I'm still riding with the Alabama, hoping to see if maybe he can become the guy. I still think it's 50, 50 between him and Milrow. I still like Milrow a lot, like we were talking before. So we'll see what happens there. And then club Nick at four. Um, and those are the four guys that I feel most confident. in. And then you got kind of Connor Wegman at Texas A&M. You got Gunnar Stockton at, at Georgia who are kind of interesting guys as well, but there's not been a lot of movement in this class yet. I mean, there's not really a guy who's, who's, shown himself really besides the brief stuff we've seen from Al or, or, or maybe some freshman at some G five school, not paying attention to right now, but <laughs> that's where That's yeah, where I am right now. I agree with you there. I got, I got Simpson at four too. So I'm not really off. He's just one spot below Aller. Like he's right there. So uh, inside my, he's actually QB 11 right now for me, but one guy that I am huge on and I will be very annoying about in the off season is Brady Allen from Purdue. He is my QB five in this class. I just love mm-hmm. the size. I think he has, better tools and traits than Aiden O'Connell. And if this system's going to be, you know, the same system where they're just, just going to chuck the ball 60 times a game. I think this guy could uh, really put his stats out there. Kind of like a, a Drake May type of ascension. So I'm pretty big on him. And I am also a pretty big Gunner Stockton fan. Uh, high school, he broke uh, Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson's records in Georgia. So uh, Gunner Stockton's a guy that I like a lot. And then our insider, Jordan Pomegranate, was letting me know end of, uh, end of like, summer practice here that he was he was starting to click he was he was mm-hmm. putting it together because he, yeah. he did not look good in the spring game but <laughs> so he was looking better at the end of camp so those those are the guys that are like my main six that i'm like i'm looking at here yeah no i like that list and i'm I, yeah i'm still pretty big on gunner stockton too i tried to stick strong with that one a lot of people were kind of coming off of him but like you said the reports coming out of the camp from jared that he was looking really good especially near the end there so i'm almost hoping to see him maybe get in the game at least at some point maybe towards the end of the season or something but i guess we'll see what happens there um georgia not really the greatest place for quarterbacks but hey stetson bennett uh heisman candidate right now right they they do great when they transfer out though so yeah. i mean there's, there's hope man there's hope yeah <laughs> Let's uh let's go ahead and roll into running backs here, right? The 2023 class, the strength of this class now officially seems to be within its running backs. I know Austin's saying that I'm fully on board with that with that sentiment now. Uh the lost my spot here. We're gonna go into the top five. My top five hasn't changed that much. It's so I'm just gonna kind of roll into it, just give a nice little one-two liner by it. But to start off, B. John Robinson. I mean, nothing much to say. He's exactly as advertised as the year prior. He's my RB1, and as soon as he transfers into the NFL, like he's probably like a top-five RB for me no matter where he lands. Same thoughts, Corey? Yeah, nothing to add here. Top three to five NFL dynasty back probably already. So, I mean, uh, yeah, um, Bijan RB1. 
And in a tier of his own for me now, actually, that's probably my biggest change here is that he's probably in a tier of, of his own. I mean, uh, he might have already been anyways, uh, but uh, but definitely some more separation there now from that second tier coming up. Absolutely confirmed tier of his own. Same for me here. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, RB2 for me. Uh, I do now. I don't have any questions about his receiving ability. He's a great receiver. But are you worried about his rushing ability? I mean, the Alabama rushing attack is so far split among many options and I mean, I don't really, I'm not going to get to the point where I waver on him being the RB2. I'm seeing him a lot more like a DeAndre Swift type situation here, but are you worried about his, his rushing ability, like what he does on the ground? Yeah, actually, I actually found the Swift comparison uh, pretty interesting. I, I thought Swift was a better runner, especially you know, as a Georgia fan. I watched him a lot. He was really fun over there. Like the dead leg he had, so nasty. Yeah. Like what was just so quick. It was a step above that college competition, you know. But but Gibbs himself has been pretty underwhelming, I guess, to start the year, especially coming to Alabama. I mean, outside of the one really long Jason McClellan run, um, the rushing offense as a whole for Alabama has been pretty underwhelming. Um, so maybe they get it going a little bit more. Maybe his usage gets a little bit better. Um, his usage as a weapon is still pretty encouraging though. I mean, he's been leading Alabama and receiving some weeks. Um, they're definitely using him like that, which Alabama hasn't always done. So it's nice to see that he came in and claimed that role right away as well. Um, I can't personally help but get the Kamara vibes. I even think that might be his role entering the NFL. I don't know if he's going to enter as a running back one right away. He might be that guy who teases you with these, with these flashes like Kamara did playing with the, for the saints. Right. And it, especially as his receiving prowess, breaking off big runs. So um, I think that's kind of going to be his role when he gets into the NFL, uh, but it's actually becoming a debate for me with, with the third guy on our list here with uh, Ole Miss running back, Zach Evans. I think, I think Evans is like a really dynamic rusher. I think he's looked great this year. I know he's a little bit banged up now or whatever, which has allowed Judkins, who we'll get into a little bit more later, to kind of kind of uh, make his case here. But the highs are just so high with Evans. Like, he, he looks so good. Like, he's just dynamic. The quick feet, the cutting ability, the power. Like, I just see a lot with him that I really like. Um, I, I think I'm, like I said, I'm separating Bijan into his own tier, but now I've got Gibbs and Evans in the tier by themselves right here underneath. He's been fantastic at OA so far, and and I'm not sure that Gibbs is my for sure RB2 so far anymore. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I, I do want to note, too, with Alabama, like that offensive line is not what it has been in the past. Like I, I just don't think they hold up as well as I used to. So I'm, I'm kind of giving him a little bit of leeway saying that he's not as efficient because of that Alabama offensive line there, but – yeah, Zach Evans here. I mean, there's a lot, there's a, quite a few people saying that he like, might be the best pure rusher in this class. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to argue that. Like, just like you said here, it is a little bit annoying if you're into analytics because this guy, like, doesn't stay on the field, you know? Like, he he kind of split workload, kind of saying he's saving himself. And it's like, all right, well, now it's now it's your draft year. Like, let's see it, you know? And and now he's got, like, a minor injury. I mean, we'll see more about that. And if, if you're just doing box score scouting, then, yeah, it looks like Quinshawn has overtaken him. And, and that's just not the case. It, it's just been, like, really weak competition. So they, they just let they let their freshmen get the field, get the reps, get the touches while they rest up Zach Evans here, who's, who's already hurt. But I think he'll see a pretty big uptake in usage here against SEC competition. And I'm – I'm excited. I'm excited to see him play, man. I'm trying. I'm excited to see him fully unleashed. Or maybe I might wait till the NFL to see him fully unleashed. But <laughs> I'm waiting, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's roll into Sean Tucker here. Uh, new coaching structure at Syracuse because I, I, I'm mentioning that because he's just not putting up the numbers. He had that great receiving game. He had one great rushing game on the ground. He's had like two disappointing. Uh, well, disappointing from a, as a fan perspective. Uh, games there at Syracuse and and he he tweets out every single week he tweets out a like self-report card where he's just like hey did this on the ground 
thought I could do better on this play, thought I could have done better here. I'm going to improve on that. And I, I love that about the guy. He's going to kill the interview portion here. But we have a new coaching structure from Syracuse coming in from UVA. That's the Brennan Armstrong system, you know, and all those prolific pass they have over there. And the run was just not featured at Virginia. And now I expect Sean Tucker from a production standpoint to just decrease compared to prior years. And I think this is really just because of the, the scheme. It's the same player, just a disappointing scheme here. What are your thoughts on Sean Tucker? Yeah, I I actually have Tucker um, back to back in a tier with our next guy on the list in Auburn running back Tank Bigsby. Um, and I do really struggle with who I want more at least two. I think Bigsby has looked pretty decent this decent times this year, especially on a poor team. And and Tucker's doing his thing too. Outside of kind of like last week's performance, kind of a bad one. I don't think he was necessarily pleased with that performance. <laughs> I I didn't actually see the tweet after the game. Did he put out a tweet about last week's game yet? I can't I can't remember, but uh, I'm, I'm guessing he wasn't as pleased. Yeah, I was yeah, out of the I'm, country, so I couldn't see. Oh, yeah, I'm guessing he wasn't as pleased with that performance. So um, he is still RB, uh, RB4 for me as well right now. Um, I do think Tank School could get him in the door first just because of the name brand recognition with Auburn, the SEC bias, you know. Um, but Tucker's going to make some noise, especially if he tests really well at the combine, which everybody thinks he's going to do, right? So these two are kind of in that that last top five tier for me. I could go either way on, on, on either one of them. Yeah, here's – I'm going to give you the worst case scenario for Auburn. For everyone listening here, this is just in my head. I'm thinking worst case scenario. They struggled last year against SEC. Like it was, it was very obvious. I mean, that team was terrible against SEC competition, just power five in general, honestly. And if it continues this year, which we're, we're about to find out here pretty soon. I, I think Tank Bigsby might like hear from scouts that they want him to stay, you know, and if that happens, like he's transferring out. I mean, he threatened that last year. I don't know how they kept him to stay, but I, I'm worried that, I'm worried that the season goes so poorly for Auburn that Tank Bisbee stays a year to increase that draft capital. And then, of course, I think he transfers out, you know, goes to Alabama, goes to whatever whatever top program needs a running back. So that's that's just – is that a concern for you, Corey, by any chance? Uh, it's not really a concern for me, I guess. I don't necessarily hold the fifth year if I see some kind of context to it. I know analytics are not going to love that, but that's always been my thing with analytics is that if I can see context, like I can see Auburn is a really bad team, Tank isn't doing much for his stock this year, it might be beneficial for him to stay one more year and increase that stock on a better team in a better situation or whatever. So I understand that. It doesn't bother me if he stays another year. I'm still probably going to be holding Tank pretty high. And, hey, when we're about to talk about this 24 class, it, it could maybe use another body in there as well. Tank might be right, right near the top if he uh, if he goes into that 2024 class. So I, I won't mind, actually, Adam. I, I'm, I'm plenty okay with him doing that. All right, let's roll into this other group behind this top tier, right? The top five is pretty locked in for me. It's not really going to change. But there's a lot of guys who are knocking on that door. I'm just going to talk about a small group because I have a lot of names here. Uh, Kendra Miller, he just had a big game here against SMU at 147 rushing yards. He was the guy I was talking about. He looked Earlier fantastic, man. He looked, he looked really good. Yeah, dude. I mean, he's just efficient. He's he's an upright runner, but like he – his slight movements to make guys yeah, miss on that long miss. run, man. I, I agree hundred percent, man. He, he looked great last week. So uh, I'm loving well, the conjuring runner, chain. Decent pass catcher. Uh, rolling to my next name here, Chase McGlellan, uh, Chase McGlellan here. Who knew that he had a tear in ACL to become a better rusher? Like who would have thought it's not me. <laughs> he, he looks better. Like, I mean, I really thought I, I left him off my entire preseason 2023 range. Cause I didn't think he was going to come out. I didn't think he was really going to play that much because that torn ACL. So, Good for Chase McClellan, man. And then we have the revival of Eric Gray, who I'm not a big fan of. I thought he was a guy that 
struggled uh, without getting like his lanes opened up for him. I, I think he needed people to create space for him. But once he was in space, I thought he excelled at that. Uh, but there's some revival there. Like, Corey, talk to me about Eric Gray, Chase McLellan, and Kendra Miller. Yeah, uh, like I said before, I thought Conjure looked great. Um, he's still splitting that workload a lot with a lot of other guys there. So um, I'd love to see him get like the full workload so we could really see his potential. But I mean, he's, he stays efficient and he, that efficiency is going to go for a long way for him, especially if he tests really well at the combine as well. You know, I really think he could be a day two guy as well. If he continues on this pace, he's got the size, he's got the receiving ability. Um, same thing for Jace McClellan. I mean, if he's going to take over this, rushing role in a sense like if Gibbs is going to be used as more of like the pass weapon and and maybe McClellan becomes more of a rushing maybe becomes more of a 50 50 thing I mean he could definitely climb this is a guy who had the, the highest spark score in his class I, I want to say I believe um so he's going to test pretty well as well and and you know me I've been on the Eric Gray train um the revival train coming into this year he put on weight um I do see him creating a little bit more for himself on the second level quicker feet I like that um a little bit more power too, leaning forward not getting pushed back as much. So I think that he could definitely climb into, you know, like we like to say here at campus can, everybody's got day two potential, man. So all three of these guys are kind of in that, um, you know, you, we've got a couple other names here listed too, as well. I mean, we're talking about Kenny, the Georgia guys with Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton, you know, Kendall Milton's been a little bit of a faller for me, I guess. This was a guy I was really high on. This was a guy that C2C was really high on and it hurts me to my core, man, but I was really hoping to see him, really take over this. And then they've had some matchups where he could have ran the ball a lot and a lot of them become blowouts. So they just save him and they don't bother going back to him or whatever. We've even seen Branson Robinson at this point, but I mean, the real star of this backfield has been Kenny McIntosh, man. It's the receiving usage. It's the rushing usage as well. He's, he's staying as efficient as Milton has and Milton has been efficient as well. He hasn't, he hasn't necessarily been playing bad, but he's just not taking over like we would have hoped. He's, he's going to end up with like 700 yards on the year or something like Zamir usually would. And he might, have that same path to the NFL, that that fourth round path to the NFL. So um, he's been a little bit of a faller for me here in, in this one, and I'm sad to say it. Yeah, I'm with you. Can I, I should just uh, I now I did update my rankings for rush for the running backs. I did that. He fell from 14 to 24. I mean, we're only four games in. We'll see, but like, I mean, it's not good. You know, I mean, running backs. I kind of appreciate we really get like five guys each year. This is a bigger class, but typically we get five guys each year that we're really paying attention to him. He is well outside that five guys in this class for me. It's looking like a big class, though. Uh, but going into Kenny McIntosh here, he's pretty pretty prolific uh, pass catcher. We don't really need to talk about his passion skills. He might have the – he might be the best pass catcher next to uh, Jameer Gibbs. I mean, he's probably one or two like between those two there. So feel good about him getting draft capital. Like fourth round, probably at the latest for me, but – so he's about in that day too, but I just don't see enough from either one of these two guys like on the ground. Like I, I don't think they're really that efficient. I mean, McIntosh himself right now is averaging 3.9 yards per carry. I mean, Sanford, South Carolina, Kent State, like he's he's getting some rushing attempts here, but I'm not seeing enough. And I, I don't think James Cook should have gotten drafted where he was last year, but it, they are very similar situations. Like it's it's pretty comparable. I just miss the days when they used to give one of their running backs like 20 carries and let him get into a rhythm. And like, we can actually see the guy perform like how he, how he might perform when he gets into that rhythm. And when you're only giving nine carries to McIntosh and seven to Kendall Milton and nine to this guy, and this guy's getting involved. Dejon Edwards is getting involved. Branson Robinson. It's like, nobody can ever get into a rhythm. And I feel like it's hard to, to analyze them as evaluators to, to really get a good picture on them. So it's unfortunate. I still think they're going to get good, decent draft capital we're still gonna be paying attention to them but 
it, it's hard to say that Kendall's not not a faller, and but McIntosh is a riser, so um, they might even be hopping each other in my rankings at some point soon. So, oh, they hop for me for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and McIntosh, me right now, like I, I do have a fourth round grade on him just because he's not uh, prolific down the middle. But if he goes to one of situations like Damian Pierce, where he goes to like the Texans who have dust in front of him, you know. Mm-hmm. He's going to be like that late round RB that like you got to hype up because like the opportunity is clearly there. You know, he does have the size. Like he's a pass catcher. Sure. But he's not 190 pounds like the other pass catchers. He is 210 pounds, six foot. Like that's a great size. So I want to move to this next group here for running backs. Zach Charbonnet, uh, Israel Abanaconda. Mm-hmm. Zach Charbonnet last year was debated as possibly the RB3 of that class. Definitely a, a strong following. Colin from the campus of Kansas is, is a strong supporter of him. Uh, Israel Abanaconda, I think week one, man, I, I said I said he was done. Like, I was like, that's it. Like He was in the committee, and that's what this is. It's the same thing as last year. You jinxed year. it again, but this time you did, <laughs> you did the right way. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rodney, I'm going to mess this up. I know his first name is Rodney. Hammond? Hammond. Hammond Jr., yeah. Ronnie Hammond got hurt, right? This opened the door for him to have the full workload, and he's looked fantastic. I mean, similar to Raheem Sanders, in my opinion, where where you got some hyper-athletic running backs here that just aren't being given the workload. Obviously, Sanders got the workload. Waiting for Abanacon to get the workload here. I like like Abanacon a lot, man. I really do. Mm -hmm. Where are you at with these two guys, Zach Charbonnet and Abanacon? When we first did, because we are we're actually part of the NFL draft team as well, and we're putting together big boards coming up for the 2023 draft season coming up. I actually was the only one who had Izzy as like my 29th ranked players. When we did our first initial top 30 offensive only or offensive skill position players, I had him at like 29. And then like at, after that first week, what happened and like he didn't do anything, I took him out. I was like embarrassed. I was like, oh God, no, I'm, I got to take him out of here now. So now I'm going to throw him back in there and just say that I had him there the whole time. But yeah, I, I really like him. He's a guy that I've been on high on for a while. A guy that Austin's been high on for a while, obviously as a pit guy. We know he's been the best back in the backfield for a while. He just had to prove it, get some opportunity the the competition hasn't been great um so i do want to see what happens you know once he starts facing some tougher guys what happens when hammond becomes healthy um but but yeah he's definitely someone to, to keep an eye on in this class i mean it's it's so deep i mean even if we're looking at the nfl right now though there's going to be some opportunities i mean you're looking at the vikings dalvin cook is getting older uh i don't think madison is going to be the guy coming up either so they might be looking for another guy you got henry's looking older is haskins going to be that guy you've got ezekiel elliott's getting older tony pollard isn't a young chicken either he's not going to freaking i don't think he's going to just take over that backfield so a lot of these guys could be looking for that next guy some of these guys might have to sit for a year or whatever but it's a very deep class and i really think you're going to enjoy those second round and third round picks this year yeah absolutely i love looking at historical trends here now typically each year you see an average of seven or eight running backs being drafted. But like the super classes, like the 2017 class, the 2020 class, those classes had close to 10 to 12 guys get drafted. This could be one of those classes where we see 12 guys go. And that's just going to be a huge indicator for me that this is one, a changing of the guard. And two, like I'm loading up on running backs everywhere. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. I'm going to load up like, top five wide receivers, sure. And then I'm going straight to the running back class and I'm not looking back. Now, I do want to talk about this last group here and Corey. Let's talk about these quote unquote Debbie assets here. That They're they just, me- the- I just put them in if we wanted to mention. We don't even have to mention them, okay? I'm just going to, I'll quickly go even go through them, okay? They're small guys in a chain, Devon a chain from a Texas AM and Michigan yep. running back 
Blake Corum, who's actually looked good this year. I really actually want to dive into his tape and see what I'm seeing there. If there's anything that I should be paying attention to, because he's been a guy that I've been pretty low on. And then you've just got your G5 guys. Okay. You've got your Lou Nichols. You've got your Rasheen Ali who hasn't been playing and you've got your Dwayne McBride who you really like, who I'm a little bit lower on as well. Um, and then you've got, you know, some guys from this year, rising Jabari small chase Brown, regardless, it's a very deep class. These are just guys you wanted to mention, make sure you're keeping them on your radar or for good or bad reasons or whatever. So it's a very deep class. Well, let's, let's talk about these other guys that are favorites of the Debbie debate. Let's talk about EJ Smith, Evan Hall and Mayan Williams here. Uh, Mayan Williams is Felix's champion. Evan Hall is uh, Noah's champion. And we got EJ Smith who Matt's been talking about a lot here. I, I'm not really big like, out, of, out of these three names. I think I'm not in on EJ Smith. Uh, three touchdowns, three fumbles. I mean, like, you know, he's got three fumbles between two games here. I saw him break off, like, one big run here. I've only watched one game. So I, I'm just not – I mean, sure, he broke off one big run. But, like, that hole was huge. I mean, the hole was just massive. I mean, I think I could have I could have made it to the 20 or the 30 maybe. I mean, what do you think about EJ Smith? Uh, I actually really like his receiving chops, though, too. I remember in the spring game, he caught a ball out of the slot, took it to the house as well. Uh, and that's kind of always been the thing with him is that he's always had that receiving prowess, but maybe needed to to still um, l- learn his way as a rusher still, which was starting to happen this year. He's being very productive. But, I mean, this season's this this uh, season-ending injury is going to hurt. I am almost certain he's going to be coming back next year. Now, this isn't a guy who's going to be part of this class anymore. Uh, I'm almost 100% certain of that now. Um, so hopefully we can see him rebound next year. Cause if he comes on now, I mean, we're probably looking at like a sixth, seventh round pick at this point. Like, I mean, I can't see anything happening very well for him, uh, in the NFL draft, uh, in the eyes of evaluators anyways. But, um, in the last class, um, another guy you talked about here with Evan Hall, um, coming out for Northwestern a little bit, I talked about him a little on the last episode. And I said, I made the comparison that, you know, he could be kind of Rashad white of the 2023 class, which is um, a late breakout guy. And he's not a Juco guy, but a late breakout guy, um, very uh, big weapon for his, his team, probably the best weapon on his team, leading his team in receiving Uh, Rashad white was another huge receiving weapon for his team. Maybe both need a little bit of work as a rusher. I still think Rashad white was maybe a little bit more athletic, um, but he's a guy that has that versatility that could definitely get him into that round two range. Yeah. I I do like Levin Hall's receiving ability here. Not so much as a rusher, you know, and, and even looking at the competition he's playing, like he's not playing anybody big. I mean, what his like his staple game is going to be Nebraska. Like that's not going to get you recognition, you know. So it, I need to see him do well against better competition here. And I, I honestly don't have his schedule pulled up, so I don't know if it's ever going to come. But I, I do like his passing ability. He's a day three guy for me until he like maybe blows up against like a good team. And then going to Mayan Williams here. I feel like he's talked about Mayan Williams here for about, about two years now, since like the inception of Campus to King. I don't want to say I'm in, but I think he's a guy that can get that day three draft capital. And again, just like the Damian Pierce situation, if he goes to some team where there's not a lot of competition in front of him, I could see him be good. I mean, he's been efficient. And then when he has to fill in for Trayvon Henderson, like he hasn't disappointed. So he's, he's a bowling ball, but he's a bowling ball that can move, man. Like, what do you think? What do you think about yeah, Mayan? Yeah, he's looked pretty good at, at times this year. Uh, he's looked pretty good at times in the past, too. I don't know if that's just part of the offense, part of that great offensive line they have over there as well. 
Um, but yeah, he, he gives me like the, those CJ Anderson vibes, you know, kind of that like bigger, chunkier bowling ball, low center of gravity. Um, but he is kind of nimble on his feet. And I know Felix loves those guys. You know, he, he hit it with Ramondre Stevenson as well. He was pushing him for, for that whole class. He might've been the only guy pushing him and look where we are now with him. So I think he's trying to hit another one here with Mayan Williams. We'll see if it works out the same way for him. I'm not as big on this guy. Um, I'm not even sure if I have him in my top 15 running backs right now. Um, but Probably some a guy that deserves a little bit more research and probably got to dive into the film a little bit more to get a better better feel for Mayan Williams because he's kind of a guy that I rode off early just because of the size and the way he kind of moved early on and stuff like that. I just kind of I just thought he was a big bruiser closing out games for Ohio State really, and now he's kind of showing a little bit more. So maybe he's somebody that we need to keep a closer eye on. All right, we just talked a bunch about that 2023 class. I think we just talked about like 25 guys. Like at least. <laughs> if we do that for all these groups, you guys are going to be here for like three hours. So let's let's hope we refine it a little bit going forward. <laughs> let's talk about the 2024 class here. Got a little bit exciting for a while there. It looked like uh, Travion Henderson and Braylon Allen locking up the top here. Raheem Sanders, we've kind of already talked about here. And I'm here to let you know, Corey, that I have officially moved him into my RB2 spot. That's I just, the right thing to do. I just can't sit here and tell somebody that Braylon Allen is going to learn how to catch the ball as well as Raheem Sanders is, you know, fantasy is a two part, you know, they got to catch and they got to run. So yeah, I mean, Raheem Sanders here, RB two. I feel like I feel pretty good at locking that in my next tier here for me, my, my tier two, uh, Shipley, Alden McCaskill, Devin Neal. I know all McCaskill is hurt, but, uh, that's my tier two here. What do you think about those names? Yeah, I have Alton a little bit lower just because, you know, we had the one great year. Um, he is a G5 guy coming to the Power 5, so we still kind of see how that, that has to play out. Um, he's a little bit lower, I think. I do have Devin Neal there. I've got Shipley there. Um, but, yeah, we have a lot of similar names uh, regardless here, and I think it's a lot of similar names in this class. I still, we still need some clarity to come out of this class. Still a lot to figure out. Um, I almost felt better mapping out the 2025 class when we were doing this. I don't know if you felt the same way. I feel like I had more names to even choose from. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from this early portion, at least, is just Raheem Sanders' development. You know, he's hitting those benchmarks that we want to see. He's becoming a little bit of a better rusher. He's getting the workload we wanted to see. Um, Bonafide RB2 in this class now, um, which is sad because I really paid up for Braylon Allen early and I could have had Raheem Sanders uh, a little cheaper this offseason, but that's okay. I still think Braylon Allen's going to be a great guy. I hope he learns how to catch a little bit more, so we'll see what happens there. Um, still really like Neil as well. I am concerned about why the workload is being split up so much. Could just be uh, a scheme thing there. Um he has looked good. He's remained efficient, which is something we like to see as well. He, he does look like he's coming into his own. He was a little bit more of an athlete kind of raw last year. Um, so yeah, all of those guys I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good with. I like that tier. I might jump. I might leave Shipley in with Allen still and just have kind of have Alton and, and Neil as a second one. But uh, Alton is probably a little bit lower for me actually, but I'll, I'll have Neil. And then another guy you might talk about a little bit more here in, in Florida running back Montreal Johnson, and uh, I'm still holding out hope for Byron as well, even though it doesn't look good right now. All right. Yeah. My only issue with Will Shipley here, great athlete. I just think he struggles going down the middle here. I mean, I I need to see him be not kick stuff out wide, but I, I feel good about him. I feel good about him figuring it out. He's he's definitely in that tier. If I had to pick one of those guys to rise above the rest, it'd clearly be Will Shipley for me, hands down. Alton McCaskill, I just – I don't know, man. I maybe I'm just stuck in the dream where I'm sitting here like, man, he would have had a great year too, you know? Like mm-hmm. I'm sitting here like, like projecting we've had a good time. 
And uh, that offense could be it. really good next year still too. So, I mean, Alton could still be yeah. really good next year, especially with the power five jump. So, I mean, I, I don't mind him there at all, especially with how thin this class really looks right now. Right, right. It's not that second tier is not as deep as, as uh, 2023. And then Devin Neal, I don't like split backfields. I definitely don't. It's a lot of red flags for me. Typically, it's a lot of coaching scheme stuff. But generally speaking, it's just backfield dominator does matter to analytics. That does matter. And his backfield dominator is not going to be that good. Uh, Monjo Johnson for me, again, I thought he'd have more of a stranglehold on that backfield at Florida. Uh, it doesn't seem to be that way. We'll see how uh, we'll see how the year progresses. Uh, I know that uh, I know that Colin on the C2C show uh, gave him down as a start of the start of the week or one of his starts of the week. Um, believes that he's going to have a great rushing against. Man, I can't remember who he's playing against, but he's playing as a really poor rushing defense here. So I, I do like Montreal Johnson. I think he was good in the small portions that we've seen him. And so I guess I'm hoping he keeps that efficiency and he just becomes a. I'm now referencing Damian Pierce three times this episode. Like, he's wrong. But he becomes like the Damian Pierce where, like, we see a lot, but, like, he's efficient, so we believe in him. Uh, Byron Carwell and, and uh, Donovan Edwards are the last two here. Isn't Carwell injured? Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't he hurt? He's injured, but that's not the only story here. I mean, he was kind of healthy in the beginning from what I understand, unless there was more than they were leading on to. I mean, I'm, I've just been disappointed in general. He's at the last of all these guys for me. I've got Donovan Edwards in front of him right now because he's actually been truly injured. Um, they were using him a little bit more in the beginning, um, which was a little bit more promising, but I just don't know what the hell is going on with Byron Cardwell. So if anybody can explain that to me, please. I understand that I think he's injured now. Um, but I'm, I'm losing hope and I have this guy like freaking everywhere. I really thought he was going to be the guy. Um, but there's just nobody else. I don't know if you even have any other names. The only other guy that I'm, uh, that I will mention here is Corey Kiner. Um, currently at Cincy, uh, coming from, he came from LSU, still a guy that I like quite a bit, um, has shown some stuff there, not taken over the lead role there yet. He was a late addition, like really late in the summer as well and, and came in. So he's still finding his footing there, but he's still a guy that I really like maybe on the deeper end of this list. And then Donovan Edwards too. Like, it's not that he he hasn't been bad at rushing. It's just we need to see more of it. We just need to see more. He's hurt. He didn't do a lot last year down the middle. Um, but I I do like Donovan Edwards. But like, these Michigan running backs, like they don't they don't ever do. Nobody from Michigan's offense ever does anything, man. It's so yeah. frustrating. And good for Zach Charbonnet for getting out of there. Like, congrats to you, man. Blake Corum though coming up. I know. Now I'm going back to the 2023 class, but like I mean, Hassan Hassan's looked good too. There, he's a fifth rounder now. He's not, he's not doing anything in the NFL. I don't think he will be doing anything in the NFL either. So it's, it's we feel good about the top three, and then we feel out of like Edwards, Montreal, Shipley, Alton, Neil, like maybe one or two of those guys rise above the group. I mean, I could talk about Jarquez Hunter, man. Like you let me know. No, that's okay. We don't need to know Jarquez Hunter talk. <laughs> All right, let's let's roll into the 2025 class here. This freshman class has been exciting, dude. Uh, do you want to start off with your tier one or top five? Uh, okay, I'll go with my top five. I guess there has been a little bit of movement here. Um, I'm still rocking with Singleton at one. Obviously, he has to stay number one. He's looked exactly like he looked on his tape. Um, still want to see a little bit more in between the tackles. I think that's why a guy like Katron Allen is still getting a lot of run over there. But you see that athleticism, you see that power, you see that force coming from him. Like he's just going to be a monster when he finally puts it all together. Um, and I've actually got Jamarian Miller as the next guy. 
Um, I know a lot of guys are putting Judkins as their number two now, but I'm, I, I was very high on Jamarian Miller coming out from Alabama. Um, he's getting run there. He seems like he's going to be the next guy up. So if we're talking about Gibbs is going to be leaving and McClellan is going to be leaving and Jamarion's going to be the dude now, we know, we know Emmanuel Henderson uh, switched to wide receiver as well. So this guy looks like he's going to, he might be the dude for Alabama next year. And we've seen how well those guys get drafted in the NFL, how well they do in the NFL as well. So uh, I'm locking him in at number two there still. And then, of course, I've got Quitshaw Junkins as number three. Um, kind of a surprise this offseason, or this season, I mean, because this offseason we weren't as huge on him. We thought he was maybe like an like an athlete, someone who needed to develop a little bit more. But he's just hit the ground running here and has really taken that job. I don't even know what's going on with Ulysses Bentley anymore. Is he, even, is he healthy? Is he even on the team anymore? I thought he was going to be the number two, but Judkins apparently is just that good and took it right over. Um, my number four, I'm still sticking with Branson. He's only got a little bit of time on the field so far. Um, this was a guy that I knew we were going to have to wait for anyways. Um, so with Branson Robinson, it's just, it's just a waiting game. And and with Georgia running backs, you're always going to be having a pretty good chance at some good draft capital. And for a guy like Branson, who I'm very excited about, um, I think he could take take the league by storm. And then at number five, I'm still sitting strong with Jadon Blue. Um, I know he hasn't seen the field. Uh, I know we're probably going to see Roshan maybe stay another year as well. Um, but I really liked what I saw on the tape with, with Jadon Blue. Uh, and I'm not ready to drop him out of my top five just yet. Let's talk a little more about Jadon Blue here. Because I, I did drop him substantially in my rankings. He weighed in at 190. And not yeah. only that, you just talked about Roshan Johnson. Come, like, he may come back. And Roshan Johnson's like, who we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about Roshan Johnson in the 2024 class. No, that's true. Right. I don't know 2023. Really he's uh, he's actually eligible this year. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, well we didn't talk about him, so we yeah. <laughs> we can't so, talk about everybody. Okay. <laughs> so if Jadon Blue though can't overtake Roshan or you know become a one A one B with him, would you be concerned then? Uh, no, I I I think that Jadon Blue is kind of like. When I saw him on the tape, I hate to make the comparison again, though, but the comparison that I saw with Jadon Blue was Alvin Kamara. So I still think he might be more in that complementary role, but somebody who can be a very good complement. I don't know if he's ever going to be the huge workhorse or or whatever that maybe some people were hoping for. But I see a lot of I see a lot of skill in the guy. I, I kind of picture him as the neck as the Gibbs of this class, if you will. All right, all right. Well. I don't believe him because if he doesn't beat Roshan Johnson, man, I'm, I'm out. I don't think he's that special. With I mean, I think he's okay. Ro- he's a really Roshan's just one of those. Roshan's just one of those guys who's just not gonna do enough bad to lose the job, though. You know what I mean? We always have those guys in college who just stick around that that we want to see other guys getting more playing time. But it's just like they they don't do enough to really ever lose the job. He's just a solid guy. He's a solid college running back. You know, he's he's like, um, oh god, who who's that old uh, Raheem Boyd? Remember Raheem Boyd for Arkansas yes, running back? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Very productive guy, but never really hit that next up. But he was good enough in college. You know what I mean? Like he, that's that's kind of how I picture Roshan Johnson. All right. Well, Jadon Blue's got to figure it out and beat that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, my top five, though, it, it's Singleton, same as you, has advertised. RB1, love it. I have moved on Judkins to number two here. He's been a great rusher on the ground. He's been everything that we thought he was going to be. I know he only has two catches on the year, uh, but I'm, I'm not speaking with this with like full confidence, but I'm pretty sure in high school, he lined up in the slot and out wide on a few snaps here. So I'm pretty sure the pass catching will come. Jamarion Miller at three for me, Branson at four. Again, Alabama, Georgia, like they've got some touches on the field. Got to feel good about that. It's, the future is bright for them. And then number five for me is going to be a shock. And I hope everyone's sitting down 
it's Jaden. I, I just, I don't know. I started watching a bunch of Cal the like last like couple days, dude. I love Jaden, not man, six six foot two hundred five. Uh, not he doesn't seem as fast as he should be on the ground, kind of an upright runner. But like he's making dudes miss. I love his vision. He's he's patient. Like once he's following his blockers, like he's not really watching his blockers. He's looking for that open lane to get into and explode through. I I love Jaden Ott. His frame too. Like he can add like another 25, 20. He can add quite a few, quite a few more pounds. He's already at 205. So he's RB23 in the class, man. I think he's my five. He's my five right now. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to acquire him everywhere. I've sent out some offers. I got denied. And so it's not going well, but you know, love myself from Jaden Ott. Well, no, nobody can see the show sheet earlier on, but uh, for anybody who who wants to know, Mike actually had him at number three in this class already in front of Jamario Miller. I was about to give him. A it's bunch not of in shit. order. I was about to give him a bunch down. of uh, that's okay. I, I was about to give him a bunch of shit, but he's, I'm glad he put him at five. I'm okay with that. Okay. He has been awesome. He's been he's been a guy who's really come out of nowhere. For Here's a guy wanna... listening. For everyone listening, the show sheet, okay, it's just commas between me. There's no numbers. There's just commas. I just list it off names next to each other. Yes, yeah, very, very me. professional thing we got going on here. <laughs> um, okay, a guy from this class, though, that I need to get your opinion on. I talked about him a little bit on the last show when you weren't here, enjoying your little gallivant with your with your wife there. Hope you had fun, by the way. Um, CJ Donaldson, West Virginia, came in as a tight end. Playing running back now, 240 pounds. I think he's 6'2", something like that. He's like a big play every time he touches the ball. Now, me personally, when I watch him, I don't get it. Like, I, he doesn't look special to me, but yet he breaks off big plays all the time. He's not doing anything crazy. It seems like the holes are just wide open for this guy, but why aren't they wide open for anybody else? Is he doing something that I'm not noticing very well? What's your opinion on this guy now? No, I'm with you, man. I watch him play, and I'm like, how is there so much open space? It makes I, no I love sense. The size. <laughs> I got him included in here, too. And I, I'm i putting out a tweet tomorrow. I'm, I'm showing out my rankings and some movers and stuff. Obviously, Donaldson was unranked for me, but he's my RB27 overall. Like, overall, like all, oh, wow. all these running backs here. I, I like him a lot. Love the size. I love that he's a tight end recruit, so I know that he doesn't have bricks for hands like mm-hmm. Ronald Jones does in the NFL. So, I, I like I like Donaldson. I like that size. I don't I don't know. He's got like a little bit of wiggle to him too, like more than he should. So it's just I'm with you, man. I mean CJ Donaldson, I'm I hope everyone got in on him early. I, I did not get in on him early enough, but he's he might I mean he's a top ten for me in this class right now. Yeah, I made this mistake last year and I'm not comparing the two. They are different, okay? I'm not I'm not comparing the two, but I made wait, wait, the mistake last guess. year. Let me go ahead. Oh, do you already I'm gonna take a guess. I didn't hear you. Go ahead. Are you comparing to Braylon Allen? Or? Yeah, I'm just just a situation. Just because it was a bigger dude that came out of nowhere, started rushing for these huge fucking gains out of nowhere, and I'm not saying they're the same player, but it's the same situation where I learned my lesson from last year that I need to pay more attention to maybe something that's happening. This guy's huge. This guy's breaking off the big runs. Even if I don't think I'm seeing anything special, this is a guy that I need to keep my eyes on, at least have ranked, you know, respectfully and see what happens here because I'm not going to fall into the trap of Braylon Allen again and lose out on that. Um, I don't think this is the same type of prospect. I don't think the athleticism is still there, but still somebody you guys have to keep watching. Yeah, we will be paying a lot more close attention to him now that I, I didn't really think about putting in my rankings until maybe two days ago. And I really started thinking about it, but he's somebody we got to watch. Like I got to see what level of athleticism, like I see his yards per contact is 5.35 here corner PFF. Now contact could be like someone, touched him barely you know so i gotta watch that but i don't know man i 
there's something exciting here and I'm going to find out probably by next week, I'm going to find out what he does that makes him special. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, but let's roll this mother names here. Uh, this next group for me, it's Travante Citizen, Cartavius Norton, Ashton Genty, um, and then Andrew Paul. So Ashton Genty was a G5 guy. He's, he's a Boise running back. Uh, we talked about him a lot in the offseason. I mean, the company as a whole has talked about him a lot in the offseason. He, he seems to get the workload early here. Boise's a sinking ship, man. I, did I see, like, I'm again, didn't get the note. Like, did Hank Bachmeyer, like, enter the transfer portal? He did. I believe he did. Yep. And, like, a Bro, couple, like, I mean, that seems to be something a, at. Yeah, seems to be a sinking ship, and I talked about how I think he's going to blow up this year to the point where maybe I hope, I hope that he transferred out to go somewhere else. And now I'm like, dude, he might jump ship too. Get him into a P5 program. Dude, I would love that. Like, he goes to, I don't know, Kentucky needs a running back next year. I know that for a fact. Like, come on over, man. <laughs> so, Ashton Jensen, a great pass catcher. He's a decent runner. Had one really good game against New Mexico. I mean, it's New Mexico. But had a good game against New Mexico. Uh, Trevante Citizen was a tier one freshman guy for us. Uh, he tore an ACL, so we probably won't see him. And then Cartavius Norton looked like he had some design plays and packages week one for Iowa. Got hurt, unfortunately, but he looked like he was going to be a big part of Iowa's offense early on. I think he's a full go coming out this week. So I hope I'm thinking, projecting, hoping, whatever that he picks up right where he like left off. He becomes a, a big part of the offense. So what do you think about these guys here? Yeah, no, I mean, there's not much to say about guys like Trevante. There's not a lot to say about guys like Andrew Paul. We have to kind of just wait to see what happens. Um, it's, it, it's not the greatest situation to start your, your uh, career with an ACL tear. Um, but hopefully they come back strong. You know, there's been great recoveries coming out now, uh, whether it's in the NFL or in college. I mean, look at Adam Randall. He's like playing college football already, and he tore his ACL in like April. So I don't know what the hell's going on over there. But they need to get some first so citizen and Paul as well, whatever they have, uh, so we can see these guys get on the field a little bit early. Yeah, I'm, I actually left Ashton off my list for right now just because we haven't seen it completely playing at Boise State. Maybe I should have gave him a little bit more love as well there. Um Pretty nice list. Mine, it, I guess, you know, with this class, I just feel like there's a lot of options so far. It really did give us a lot of options. Like, if we go into my second half here, it looked completely different from yours. So, my second half, I'm looking at Omarion Hampton. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Gervonta. Gervonta uh, is there as well. Um, but Gervonta is there. And then I got Omarion Hampton there. I've got Jaden Ott in this tier as well. Then I've got George Petaway too. I still like those UNC guys. I still like what I've seen from him. I also have Trevor Etienne from Florida in this in this. Uh, tier as well a guy that I was not that big on coming out but has looked pretty damn good as a as a functional runner in in Florida I did not think that I thought he would be more of a gadget guy that's kind of what he was in high school a lot of passes a lot of rollouts half the field stuff very funky offense but he's operating as a very good runner right now he's showing patience showing the footwork showing everything that you want to see from a guy as a freshman um to see a good stock up in in his uh in his Debbie stock um then I've also got Katron Allen in this tier as well. And there's a tier break for me, but uh, just because of what we've been seeing, I know a lot of guys aren't as, as big on him, but the fact that he comes in to a power five program like Penn state um, and is taking carries away from a guy we all love as running back one in Singleton. I just think it's something we need to keep our eyes on and just see what happens down the line. Him and Paul Katron and Andrew Paul are two guys that are, we were out on Katron, like you said. I totally agree with you. He looks to be better than we thought he was. But Andrew Paul, who we haven't seen yet. These are two guys that I think are just stuck behind really good talents. And I kind of hope that these guys transfer out, not down. I don't want to go to like a G5, but like transfer laterally to another school of equal prestige. 
because I think these guys deserve to be the workhorse in the system. I think they have the skill set for it. I do think Singleton eventually overtakes Keytron Allen, but man, I just hope he just doesn't like disappear or he just becomes a part of the system, man. Because I, I would like to see more about him. I love that you put in Trevor Etienne because I forgot about he exists. I really did. I'm, my eyes are on Montreal Johnson, bro. I got the goggles. I got the blinders on. So forgot about him existing. And then um, these two dudes from uh, UNC, we talked about it. I think I think actually I talked about it awesome two weeks ago where it was like, man, I wish these two guys were just one running back and then I feel good about mm-hmm. it. So, and, and I, I don't, now that's one situation that I don't think anyone transfers out. I think just that's the system for the next like three, four years. So, yeah, I, I mean, know. they really do look like they're like the next Javante and Michael Carter in a sense. Like I could see them molding into that role going forward. I mean, even the archetypes they are fit the archetypes of those two. Like I could see that being the new duel for these guys going forward, really. And then you mentioned uh, Glover here. I think Glover's just too small, man. You know how big size is. I think he's just too small. That man's just small. Is like yeah, five, I mean, I, I, yeah, he's 5'7", but he's like 2'0-something or something. He's stout as hell. I love that size. It just sounds like Jared that's like that, to me. That's like that DeAndre Swift size. Man. He's Dude, I, I imagine he'll be like that 5'8", 215 by the time he gets to the thing. I don't know. I'm still I'm still pretty excited about Glover. Um, I didn't actually mention him. I just wrote him here, but that, that's okay. You can you can let people know who's in my next tier. It's, it's Jadon yeah. Glover, who I'm still very high on there, but over at Utah. And it's a great system. I just think that once he takes over for Tavion Thomas – which it seems whoa, like he's going to be the guy he's already been getting run. What? what? Mike, Micah Bernard, bro. Micah Bernard. Nah, man, I'm done with Micah <laughs> Bernard, okay? He'll he'll still be a nice complimentary player. He still looks great. He just didn't become what I became, what I was hoping. Glover already looks like he's taking over the secondary role. Um, he's rushing for more anyways. Um, so I, I still think he's going to be the guy going forward. I'm, he's going to get the opportunity, which is what I was about to get into. So we're going to see if he's got it in him to really be a, an NFL talent. Did you already talk about Javante Barnes too? Or am I, about I didn't. No, I did not talk about Javante Barnes. I'll get into it. I think he's just an early down running back. That's it. That's what I think he is. I think he's just the next Kenny, Kenny, whatever, just Kenny Brooks. Kenny, I, Kenny I think he's going to be an early down running back, man. Yeah, I mean, but, I, some of these guys I just threw at, at the end of the list here, uh, guys that I'm just keeping watch on. I know Barnes got a little bit of run. Uh, these are just some of the guys who are getting run as freshmen power five programs that I think that it's important to keep an eye on these guys just to see um, there, there is one power five freshman that nobody seems to be talking about. And I don't understand why, um, but it, the breakout did kind of happen in a weird time. Iowa had their game delayed. Um, they finished the game at like freaking in between like midnight and like 3am or something like that. Like it, I didn't even watch it. I just know that once I went back and looked and saw the stat line and then looked at some of the tape, I was like, why is nobody talking about this guy? You know what I'm talking about? Caleb Johnson, you know, it's at six, one, 215 pounds, a three-star prospect. Um, but pretty much having the quietest power by freshman breakout right now at Iowa currently leads the team in rushing averaging six yards per carry. Um, almost three more yards in, than the next best running back on the team. And a lot of us were excited about Gavin Williams and LaShawn Williams and stuff, but they're not doing nothing. Um, he's slowly becoming the guy. And, you know, he, he started out with that big game two weeks ago, um, got the most carries last week, Power 5 program at Iowa. Like, this is somebody we need to be keeping an eye on, has the size. Um, I, I think he's going to be a sneaky riser in this class. Yeah, he's he's getting increased workload too. I mean, you gotta love that. I mean, went from like what three to four to seven to fifteen attempts. So I'm with you, man. I he's someone who's we looked at. Honestly, I didn't know who that was, so I saw you write his name down. I 
glimpse at his ESPN stats. I didn't even go to PFF yet. So <laughs> he had a little bit only- of a following in the off season of a couple guys who were just kind of in on him. I, I mean, I know I took him a couple last rounds, a couple second last rounds just to get him on the roster, see what happens. But he, he's, he's uh, returning uh, those investments early. Makes up for that Byron Cardwell pick, huh? Oh God. Oh, I don't want to talk about <laughs> that. <laughs> All right. That wraps up for Arby's. That was a really long section, guys. We're going to talk about wide receivers. Now, typically, we already have a set group at the top now, right? We And then we have a tier of, of just maybes. You know, we got a three or four guys that we're like, well, one or two of them are going to step up. That is not the case this year. I'll tell you what, man. It's just been disappointment city for me with this 2023 class. It's been very underwhelming. And let's just, just like last time, let's talk about this top class real quick. And I'm just going to start with my QB, not QB, excuse me, wide receiver one. It's, just, it's still Kayshawn Boutte, man. I think I think he can stop playing football today. He'll still be a first-round draft pick. I I don't like Jaden Daniels as a quarterback. I, I never have. I, I don't like Brian Kelly. I mean, I just – I'm pouring – you know, you can't watch him, but I'm pouring one out right now for LSU. That's <laughs> a whole school. Yeah. So it, it sucks. But anyway, Boutte still my one. It's the same player there. I'm not really worried about it. And I just feel bad for LSU thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that as well. I mean, um, LSU, LSU in general, I think that's more, this is one of those context things where I'm looking at the context around Boutte. And I just think that whole situation is bad right now. I don't think Jaden Daniels is a great quarterback for a wide receiver. We're hoping to break out either. He loves to run. He's a one read quarterback. The minute it's gone, he takes off, you know, and then they're rushing the ball a little bit more as well. So yeah, I kind of hate what this LSU team has become as well. Hopefully, you know, they, they become better for some of the other guys we're hopeful more for hopeful for, you know, that we'll get into in the later classes. But um, for this class right now, I still have Boutte at the top as well. Like you said, I still think he's a first rounder, even if he never steps on the field again. Um, I think we can just lump all these guys together. I don't know about you, but I'm almost, I'm almost picturing this as a four person tier right at the top, just because of all the uncertainty surrounding around everybody. I still have, I, I'd still be fine putting Boutte and JSN in their own tier at the top. But if we're talking about, Kayshawn Boutte, and we're talking about Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. We're talking about USC wide receiver Jordan Addison, and we're talking about UNC wide receiver Josh Downs. I think all four of these guys generally are going to be the top four guys across the board. I'm with you here. I think as far as like draft capital, though, it's Boutte, Jason, Addison. I don't know if Downs gets that first round draft capital. I just think he, uh, he's I on that know, edge man. for me, that, that back of one early second. I th- I could see him being drafted there as well, but at the same time, I don't think that that's definitely a kill to his stock either. I mean, maybe oh, he gets not, no. maybe he gets down just because of his his size a little bit, whatever. But I think he's going to test out of this world as well. Um, I'm also, I've also been hearing, you know, I, I listen to a lot of draft podcasts as well. They have the uh, pros, um, the pros podcast from the Athletic as well uh, that I like to listen to, and they were talking about JSN the other day, and they were saying that. NFL teams don't seem to be as high and on JSN as everybody else seems to be. Um, they picture him as a nice complimentary player. They picture him as someone who could be a solid two in the NFL, but they don't picture him as that top tier guy that everybody is hoping. And I kind of, that kind of rung my ears a little bit. Um, I can kind of see what they're saying, but I do think that, you know, it, it all depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for that X guy, I mean, what if he's Cooper cup or what if he's a Monroe on the next level instead, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but maybe he's not that bona fide number one that, that everybody was thinking he was going to be. All right, let's roll into two guys here that um, I admittedly had a lot higher. I am now on board with Corey with his top four there. Let's talk about Quentin Johnson here first here. Like, I don't know what's going on. 
I mean, he's not even playing good competition. He isn't getting targeted. I mean, he was Oklahoma's daddy last year. I mean, let's see if he does that week five again. But, like, based off his athleticism, he's going to have a really good carbine. Carbine, excuse me, combine. And I just – I find it hard to picture him falling outside, like, round two. But, man, his production is starting to get very worrisome. And I think the first round is really just out of the question at this point. But he was someone that the community was just just massive. I mean, there's people who even calling him, like – there's a few people calling the, the wide receiver one in the class and not Boutte. <laughs> yeah, there definitely yeah. was. There definitely you guys was. You are watching yeah. Corey's are nodding to like an anime character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, um, I, think but, people, I think, I do think people had their expectations way too high this year with, with Quentin Johnson overall. And I just think that he is who he is. And he flashes in moments. He ghosts in others. There's clearly some talent there. This system coming in should have brought him out more, but we're not seeing it now. So, Last year, we put so much stock into that offense holding him back, but I think that we might just have to accept that this is who he is, right? And my comp- my comparison that I've always had Don't is, is, Mar- uh, is Martavius Bryant, man. He's Martavius <laughs> Bryant 2.0. I still, he has the acrobatic catches. He has the crazy thing, flashes and stuff, but then he also disappears for like crazy amounts of time. So that I, I think it sticks. I think that's where he is. I still think someone's going to buy into the traits, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's Martavius Bryant 2.0 for me. All right, let's talk about the next disappointment here. Let's talk about Jermaine Burton. I talked about him with Austin like two weeks ago. A hyper athlete coming out of Georgia. Why is your ones Alabama always get first round draft capital? The average, something like 1,300 receiving yards. I know you know that's that better than me, but he just hasn't been the wire zero one yet in a single game. This is the this is the cake schedule of, of the year. I mean, maybe he's just a little slow to acclimate, but he's someone that I had projected as the wide receiver four of the class. And now I got him down here at six and it might even keep dropping, man, but the, but I'm, I'm concerned. Yeah. I might even have him drop further than you. He's probably my biggest disappointment and one of my biggest, biggest followers as well. And it's unfortunate for my Georgia guys overall, my Milton and my Burton shares. I mean, I love these guys, honestly, I still think that they're fantastic talents, but I don't know. It's just something is just not working out, right? And I don't think that Bama's offense, like I was talking about before, has been the well-doiled machine that that usually is. But we might just have to start coming to terms with the fact that Burton just might not be the guy we were hoping he was. I mean, we were hoping he was going to come in here, earn the targets. It seems like they can't even figure out who should earn the targets. It's a different leading receiver every week, and none of them are Burton. So uh, I'm definitely worried about this. I, I don't think the book is completely written. I want to see what happens as, as Bama starts facing some tougher competition here, who they're going to rely on. Um, but yeah, he's, he's probably like wide receiver 10, maybe even further than that for me. So I've had a couple of guys jump up. So we'll get into that later though. <laughs> all right. All right. And then the, the next disappointment here for me, man, is Parker Washington. I, no one had him high, high, but like he was definitely like the top of the next tier here. He's, Similar to, to Burton here, he, he had Jahan Dotson who left, but while Jahan Dotson was there, he flashed a bit. He looked good. You felt you felt confident that he could be the one here. I gave the narrative the offseason. I really was a fan of Mitchell Tinsley, and I thought maybe Tinsley could overcome Parker Washington. It, it just doesn't seem like anyone is the guy here, man, and it's someone that has definitely dropped off my radar, like probably almost 100%. I mean, he's not even like a day two guy for me. Like if the draft comes tomorrow. So those are just the disappointments, guys. I'm, I'm going to tell you what, like this. And then my next tier, look, Corey, Corey, look, I'm about to, I'm shaking my laptop here. <laughs> <Look>. <laughs> this, 
There are so many, like, in the next year, Jaden Reed, he's a ghost. Dontavion Wicks, never heard of him. Kanata Mumfield, maybe next year. Marvin Mims, still can't play underneath. He only knows how to catch the long ball. Jalen McMillan, I mean, I need to see him play a real defense, all right? That one's Raheem really, that Jarrett, one, that one's dude, really. I mean, thank God people can stop hounding me for having Raheem Jarrett too low. I mean, I, I had him at 10. That's still too high. So, I mean, he's he's gone. Just a dream. I had a dream. He was a dream. Isaiah Nayor hurt me. I'm butthurt about this, Corey. I mean, this was supposed to be in an elite class, and it's just, it's just, it's just pooping on itself, man. It's just sitting there pooping on itself. So it's, it's really these top four, and then like we're hoping QJ, we're hoping Burton can get it together. And I don't believe, I don't, I don't blame anyone when the draft comes around. These guys get the draft capital that you don't still believe in. Like I can get it, but man, I am just, I'm upset. I am upset. And, and here's here's my next three guys that I feel good about. So can't wait for something terrible to happen to them. Cedric Tillman, wide receiver for Tennessee. And then I got Jacob Cowing and Rashi Rice from SMU. Cowing is the transfer from UTEP to Arizona. Doesn't look like Cowing has missed a beat. Transferred over really well. Acclimated really well. It, it, I mean, it's Arizona playing Pac-12. But still, doing his thing against higher competition Rashi Rice, SMU. SMU is like the one consistent G5 team that sends uh, players to the NFL. Uh, varying success. I mean, you got Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton. And then on the other side, you got like James Brochet, uh, Danny Gray. didn't seem to be anything special so far. Uh, so I think Rashi Rice is going to be the next one. His production is pretty insane. He's got decent size. He seems to be a little more of a jump ball guy, in my opinion. But he draws a lot of fouls, and I just don't know how he does it, but he gets, like, a lot of pass interference calls, like, against him. So those are my next three guys here. Yeah, and honestly, when I was doing this, too, I kind of thought the same thing about how, like, disappointed I was with these guys. And I, I really hope that we don't get too overreactionary in the middle of it, right? But when I was doing my rankings, I honestly couldn't believe how high I ended up putting Tillman as well. You know, like, for my for me, my next guy is is Tillman at number one. Uh, at, at the next after these four, probably, like, number five right now might be Tillman. Um, and then right after that is a guy that you did, you said you didn't really like too much. But I, I love what Jalen McMillan is doing over at Washington. Um, I don't care about the competition he hasn't faced yet. I know we've had discussion before it, it, earlier in the season. You're asking why I still ranked him and why I still like him. But he was a great prospect. Uh, this new offense coming in is really letting him show his stuff. I really think he's going to be a, a climber in this class, especially with all these other underperforming guys. Um, I don't feel the great about cowling i guess i think it's just because of his size to be honest and maybe i'm just having size bias here and that might just be what it comes down to a guy coming from g5 as well i probably have to look over his arizona table uh, at the end of this year and see how i'm feeling i think he's a fine player you know if i'm going with a smaller player i might even prefer a guy like a zay flowers out of, out of boston college who you know struggles a little bit in that offense but it's a guy that i think is extremely special in the open field extremely special mover um I, I can't quit the guy. So I'm hoping that he, he still has, gets good draft capital there. Another guy that I can't quit is the other guy in Washington as well, which is Romo Dunze. Um, more of a bigger bodied, more of a, more of your X type. So definitely a bunch of guys in this class who could climb as well, but yeah, overall pretty disappointing. And I don't think any of it is really settled after those top four guys. And then there's just two more guys I got to mention. Uh, one guy really is, is because of Corey here, but uh, Jeremiah Hunter, I talked about the FF Expo, the very first episode. I did a player breakdown on him. Uh, Jeremiah Hunter has been consistent. Uh, he's he's definitely shown flashes at Cal. Cal's not really a prolific passing offense, but he is the consistent wide receiver one. 
He has good size. I think he's going to have decent athletics. And, uh, yeah, just short flashes here. Again, Caldo doesn't, like, get a lot of a lot of looks nationally. So this is a guy that I think needs to have, like, two or three, like, just massive gains, some 100-plus-yard gains with, like, a touchdown or something like that to really get on the radar. But I would – if he flashed, I think he's going to get a little more recognition here. But, uh, yeah, long shot that he declares this year. And, and the next guy here, Purdue, uh, Charlie Jones – you just want to talk about Charlie Jones yourself here? Yeah, man. Chuck Sizzle. Yeah, he looks pretty decent out there, man. I understand that there's, you know, super late breakout, everything like that. He comes over to this offense. But, I mean, like him him and Aiden O'Connell clearly have a great connection. These guys have been playing together since, like, freaking peewee football. I tried to watch Charlie Jones a little bit closer just to see if there's anything there. This guy was, like, beating press. This guy was, like, showing good footwork good hands, plucking the ball out of the air. Like, I don't know if this guy has just been under wraps this whole time, but I see a lot there to like. Yeah, he is a six-year. I do have to say that for everyone listening, which is just, you know, I mean, there's like the biggest red flag. I mean, we've only had one go to the draft so far. That's Bayless Jones, and he's doing he's doing great. He's doing he's doing well. <laughs> he's doing great at the injury report. He's nailing that yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, just talking about historical trends here, guys. Last four years, we saw an average of fifteen wide receivers drafted day two. Before those four years, though, it ranged from like seven to like you know fifteen. So it's it's it might be a down year for wide receivers who are getting drafted. But uh, you know, it's it's still very good at the top, very solid. It's just. Your round two is no longer going to be wide receiver heavy for rookie drafts. It should be running back heavy this upcoming year, at least so far. It's it's week four. It's a very good milestone. We're getting into conference play here. Uh, conference play is what really separates the men from the boys. So pretty excited to see the upcoming uh, competition here. But let's roll into 2024 now. Uh, definitely a murky group. Uh, there's like only Xavier Worthy broke out. I talk about that a lot uh, quite a few episodes ago. But now we have some clarity here. And, I'm just going to give you my top five and let me know if, if you're there too. Ameka Abuka, Xavier Worthy, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. And then you got uh, Bo Collins and Jojo Earl. Are you also in the same as those are the top five? Uh, sort of, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka right at the top. I still struggle to see who I like even more there. Honestly, I really like the way Emeka looks this year. And sometimes I think MHJ looks more like a refined guy and more like a technical guy, but I feel like, for some reason, the Mecca looks more explosive and might, I don't know. I know that that wasn't necessarily what people thought earlier on, but I don't know. Something about a Mecca is really setting out to me. He might be my number one overall in this class right now. Um, Xavier's there for me too. Bo's there for me too. Um, but then when it comes to the Alabama guys, I don't know who to choose between Brooks and Jojo. I don't, I haven't seen anything from Jojo to really make me fall in love. I understand the high school tape was very well, very well-known prospect as well. Brooks was also a very high, high-ranking prospect. Um, I never thought he was a very dynamic player, but he's starting to earn the targets now, and I think that's worth something. He's he's starting to become the number one guy, it seems like, over the past two weeks. Um, so I'm, I'm tentatively putting him here in front of JoJo instead for now. But to be honest, there feels like a pretty big tear break after Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka, and then it goes into maybe Xavier, maybe by himself, and then Bo and maybe the Alabama guys for me. I'm with you there. Now, let me just ask you just a hypothetical here. Jojo Earl, right? I mean, he had – people didn't like his spring. It was a very weathery game. He dropped two balls. But, like, again, it was super weathery. With the struggles going on right now at the Alabama receiving core, do you think Jojo Earl would have just 
eaten this year. Like, if he was actually healthy, you think this guy would have been V1 this year? Like, clearly it's not Burton. You know, like, that's my hypothetical to you. I just think that this this Alabama offense in general hasn't hasn't looked great. I think they're still finding their way. I think, I, I don't know, even Brooks just coming now. And then Treshawn Holden had a good week. And Jermaine Burton had the the big week one earlier where he caught two touchdowns or whatever. So I really don't know if he he's that type of talent that would have just completely took over the room, to be honest with you. All right. I like those. I, I'm kind of with you, though, in the tier group. So uh, I might include in that Bo Collins, JoJo Earl, like tier, Lorenzo Styles. I, I mean, I definitely moved him down uh, because of the offensive situation right now. We definitely thought, I mean, Notre Dame looked good in their one bowl game last year offensively. It's just, it's just definitely looked a little more crumbled now. So Lorenzo Styles is still there for me. But the other guys, after that is going to be Malik Neighbors, Caden Prather, and Corey Brooks. Uh, Neighbors is stuck at LSU, so poor one out for him. And then you got Caden Prather, who has flashed enough so far that I feel good about his future. I didn't think he was going to do it this year with West Virginia's offense. I really didn't. Uh, it's super cool to see uh, Ford Wheaton do what he's doing there. But uh, it was a it was a program that I was going to be a lot more interested in next year, not this year. So Caden Prather. Not looking bad. I like what I see from him. Malik Neighbors, LSU, I think he's going to be the last, maybe the last LSU guy I really care about for some time until Brian Kelly leaves. And then Ja'Cory Brooks, who, quite honestly, I almost left for dead. Like, I'm shoveling the dirt on his on his grave. Dude, he's he's doing that meme where they pop out of the coffin, you know, getting yeah, yeah. after that last game. So, love seeing him being successful on the field. Definitely, even with Burton on the field. Like, he, he was looking like the better receiver. So, Corey Brooks, man, I, I might have to owe an apology, but those are those are my 2024 guys that I care about. Yeah, Lorenzo Styles has definitely dropped a little bit for me too. It's probably just like the offense, and like he's not really like doing anything crazy. Um, I know he made the freak list as well, but I don't know if you you saw you were watching that first Ohio State game with Notre Dame as well, or where he, Buckner hit him on that first 50 yard pass. Man, I I didn't find his deep speed very, very special. Like, he got caught pretty quick on that 50-yard. He was not out racing guys, nothing. So I don't know if the athleticism is completely there either. Is this guy just a slot guy on the next level? I like him. I don't know if I see anything, like, beyond a complimentary player. Um, The guy from this group that I do really like is Malik Neighbors. I understand that he's had some – he had the rough week one where he muffed the two punts and uh, didn't look great. You were on my ass about that in the chat right away because <laughs> you know he's one of my dudes. Um, But, yeah, I do feel like he's probably the next – wide receiver one for this for this group he has been if i'm not mistaken he's been the most productive for the group so far if, if i'm not mistaken i can't remember for sure i'd have to go double check that but um i know he's making an impression on the staff already i think he walks in as the number one guy um and your guy Caden prather as well i'm very much on this train i believe he led the team in receiving last week if i'm not mistaken he's getting the, the, the opportunity he's playing with the starters i think he's playing like a massive amount of snaps as well so this is something good for a good development for a guy that is raw Needs to be worked. He's not. He's not unlike Bryce Ford Wheaton in a lot of ways. Bryce Ford Wheaton just didn't really ever become what we had hoped. Like we still see the drops with him. We still see like the rawness with him. King Breather's kind of at that level right now. Hopefully, he can kind of refine himself a little bit and take it to the next step, become the guy that we are hoping Bryce Ford Wheaton would have became at one point. Has that athleticism, moves really well. Um, so I'm very excited about uh, King Breather as well over there. I've been telling people about him a little bit, but I know you were on him pretty early, so I'm giving you I'm giving you props to that one. Um, two guys, two guys. I just want to mention here though, uh, Troy Franklin at Oregon. I've been lower on him for a long time, but he's looked good this year. He seems to be the number one guy. He's still an explosive guy, still rail thin. 
I think he's only like 175 pounds for somebody who's like 6'2", which is not going to work. He needs to put on a little bit more pounds. Um, and Adonai Mitchell over at uh, Georgia. Georgia wide receivers just seem to get the draft capital, even if they don't always work out at the next level. Um, I do think he's a very raw player. I don't find that he runs his routes very well. He's kind of a sloppy guy, but great hands, great acrobatics. Um, kind of has that. The, I think some people maybe even uh, reference him like George Pickens because of all the acrobatic catches he makes, but he's nowhere close to the type of prospect Pickens was. But I still like him in this class and somebody I'm going to be keeping an eye on. I like that. I like that. Except for the end on Mitchell, but you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> let's, yeah. Let's get into the 2025 class here, the freshman class here. And like, honestly, the week, We've been hyped. I mean, I love this class so far. Like, they're definitely giving us a lot of names early on. It's not a guessing game. I don't have to. I don't. I don't have to miss as hard as I'm missing. I feel like lately, but uh, no, dude, I, I love this class. It's just teeming with potential here. And this is my top tier. I just want to. This, this is yeah. This is an order. I'm giving you my top tier in order here. Luther Burden, Evan Stewart, Barry and Brown, Matthew Golden, Antonio Williams, and Kobe Prentice here, uh, and. I want to give kudos to the freshman uh, guy. I didn't, I didn't partake in it. Corey didn't partake in it, but three of their four guys like seem to be, I mean, they seem to have nailed it, dude. I mean, Luther Burden, Barry and Brown and Evan Stewart, they're definitely my top three for sure. Like locked in. So these guys are great. Luther Burden is currently having issues at Missouri, but Evan Stewart, Anaya Smith is out. I mean, Evan Stewart's about to inherit a, a very big workload coming up with good competition coming up. This is a great developmental like learning for him. I mean, he's going to, he's going to be thrown into the fire. And even if he does mediocre, like I'm going to feel really good about it going into next year. So I love that. And then Barry and Brown, he's an athlete. I think he had the fastest miles per hour time that we had, according to big wide receiver guy. And he, we thought, I thought, I thought they would take him time to get on the field because Davion Robinson is there and he's he's getting on the field early he's getting on the field now and he's making plays he's not a year one zero rate like i love it matthew golden uh g5 but again houston's going to the power five next year he's he's looking decent too he's getting on the field and then antonio williams these are two very refined route runners for their age antonio williams and matthew golden so both guys beating year one zeros both guys in, in decent programs i mean antonio williams goes to clemson so that's a little bit more than decent but i'm loving this class yeah, and honestly, I was I was actually kind of surprised because in 2025, you know, it's a brand new year. I think a lot of rankings are going to look a lot different. But when you actually posted this list, I was surprised to see every single name that I had in my tier one, in your tier one as well. Like, I know it's a pretty big tier right now, but just, just because we're waiting for things to hear. Like, if we want to be more technical about it, like, you know, like Luther and uh, Luther and Evan are probably like, tier one Barry and golden Antonio and Kobe, maybe a, another tier, you know what I mean? But uh, overall, these are the main guys that I'm super excited. And the one guy that I'm still throwing in here though, I'm still holding Adam Randall in this tier. Um, he's actually my wide receiver three. Uh, I have no reason to move off him yet until I see a reason to. And I, like, I just fell in love with this dude as a prospect, like big versatile played all over the formation, uh, using a bunch of different ways, a wildcat rusher through a touchdown pass, Big time athlete, big time size. He just has like the upside of a complete package X wide receiver at the next level. Uh, going to Clemson, who's like a wide receiver factory as well, if they can kind of get everything figured out over there. So I'm still very big on Adam Randall. I know he had the ACL, but he's already playing snaps. I mean, he just tore it in April. So maybe this guy's a freak too. Like I just, I just see so much potential in this guy. Can't quit him out of this, out of this tier. So um, same list of guys for me. 
um, including Kobe Prentice, who we didn't talk about as uh, very much either. Um, he's kind of a guy that I'm uh, that I'm kind of waffling on on keeping up here, though. He was a guy I initially put in this tier when we like made this list, but even looking back on it, he's kind of fallen off of the, the map a little bit from that from that year from that uh, week one burst that we got. Uh, seeing him on the on a depth chart. Um, locked in starter as a true freshman. We all kind of got excited. I might drop him down a little bit now, uh, now that we've seen a couple weeks play out, but still getting, getting that, uh, that depth chart spot as a, as a Alabama freshman is definitely worth keeping eyes on. Yeah. A little bit smaller here. If there's one guy that dropped from that top tier for me, it would be Kobe Prince. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's an Alabama freshman getting playing time really. You don't ever see that. And then just, this is just like, you know, like food for thought here that, Kobe Prentice played like significant snaps against Texas. Like he played his same number of snaps in a tight game. And usually you see freshmen get on the field during these non-conference games, these, these earlier games, because they're weaker competitions. They, they get a chance to develop a little bit. Kobe Prentice may just keep his workload. I mean, it, it, it looks that way to me, but that close game against Texas, I think Kobe could stay on the field and we can see some actual development as the year goes on. And, and I love that. And then, yeah, my, my next year here, uh, Keon Grays, Taylor Shetron, Adam Randall, and Andre Green. I'm just going to go to Adam Randall first because you talked about him. I had him in tier one. The ACL had me scared, so I dropped him in my rankings. Uh, but, yeah, he's getting the field early. The only reason why he's really here is because so far he's a year one zero. Those other guys are not year one zero so far. That's really it. I'm just kind of – I'm just kind of – I'm hedging my bets here. So I, I'm with you. And this is definitely a guy that, like, let's say by year two – I could see Adam Randall being more productive than Antonio Williams, and I had flip flop him in rankings. Like he's the one guy in this tier that I think has the highest ceiling. So, um, and then just going to Keon Grace, he's he's the wide receiver one for me at Ohio State in the freshman class. Uh, again, it doesn't really matter unless he breaks the year one zero mold. So I really hope he can get on the field, but he's just not played a snap yet. So a little concerning. Uh, Shetron had a opportunity to play early with Jaden Bray getting hurt. And just didn't touch the field. I never knew why. I still don't know why. He's definitely getting some reps in now. But there's some sort of red flag there. I'm just trying to figure out what it is. I'm hoping to see more of him. And then uh, Andre Green, same thing. He had an early opportunity to play. He did play. I think he had like zero. I think it, I, I want to say he had seven targets for zero receptions or something ridiculous like that. But he just hasn't touched the field since week one. I do know that one for a fact. And um yeah, so these are, these are my guys here. This is the same top 10 I had since preseason, so I feel really good about myself right now. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like, this is my same, this is my same top 10. So who do you got there in your next tier, Corey? <laughs> yeah, if there's one thing that Mike is, Mike is a company man, so he's going to abide by this year one thing to a T right now, and I can see that in his rankings right here. Um, but yeah, I, li- I like that second tier as well. Uh, Chetron was never a guy that I was as high on as the rest of the th- uh, of the crew. Um I loved his work in the red zone. I loved him over the top. I don't know if I found him like that, that special of a mover, especially getting to the NFL level, might be more of a possession guy in my opinion, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, my second uh, tier, I just wanted to bring up, mention some names that you didn't necessarily mention. So it, it's a little bit different. I could put your guys in my second tier as well. Uh, these are just more like watch guys or whatever. I had to mention Keon cause he was like my wide receiver one as well. Um, I still think he, he's pretty special. Um, had to mention Dane key over at Kentucky as well. I don't know if he's really a Debbie asset. Um, I think you've talked about this a bunch of times too. He could just be taking over that role over there, um, but he's getting the playing time and he's doing well with it. I think it's worth keeping tabs on another guy getting playing time is Jordan Hudson at TCU. Not a lot of it, 
not a lot of it, but the fact that he's getting out there, he's, he's, he's breaking his way in through the, all that, that veteran talent over there and, and getting some snaps, getting some catches, something to keep an eye on over there. And Isaiah Bond, I'm pretty sure he's logging some snaps too, which is a guy that me and you were super high on in this class. I'm pretty sure me and you had him as the number one Alabama wide receiver in this class at some point as well. Um, so I'm excited to see him getting on the field a little bit there and uh, excited to see what maybe he can do throughout the year. And that wide receiver room is begging for some talent to kind of hop out of it. So I think there's some good opportunity here for maybe somebody we didn't expect to kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. So Dan Key for me, he's, he is in my top 15 just from early production standpoint, but I, yeah, like you said, I am worried about that. He's just filling a role like Josh Ali played last year. He's definitely better than Josh Ali. That's for sure. But it's, when it comes to like players that aren't versatile assets that I talk about a lot, the ones that are like a top tier role players next level, they're like athletic freaks. I'm talking about like DK Metcalf. Nobody can run a straight line better than DK Metcalf. I'll tell you that. So like, it, I don't think, I don't think Dane key has that in him. So I don't really consider him like a Debbie asset, but like, he's definitely someone I think to get like game through draft gap, but like he's, he's productive. I'm watching him. Like I'm not out. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to be in. I'm just not going to be fully in until I, I see something special out of him. And then Jordan Hudson, I don't know if you knew this, but like the miles per hour data from big wide receiver guy, you know, like 19.5 is like the low end. Mm-hmm. He he came in at 18.4. No one, no one besides, I think it was like James Crochet or something like that, that like was 19.5, but made it to the actual NFL. So I, I just think Jordan Hudson lacks athleticism here. Um, one guy that we haven't been talked about that it's not on the show sheet. So, Get ready. Curveball. <laughs> Tatera uh, McMillan. I'm not oh, sure I, had him, I had him written. That's funny. I did, did have him written. But I don't, I, I, he's another guy that I'm not sure is a Debbie asset, though, because I, I feel like yeah. he's just a big contested catch guy. Like, Okay, same. I just want to have that discussion. We're on the same page. He's just a yeah. jump ball guy. He has great size. But like I said about role players, they have to be special at something. So maybe, maybe he can hit that level of athleticism. But for the most part, yeah, I think he's just a jump ball guy. So yeah, the the comparison that I even had for him too was maybe he could find a role in the NFL like an Auden Tate, in a sense he still goes from team to team and he's still like your third fourth wide receiver. But that's kind of like what, I, yeah, whatever. That's kind of like what I picture he could be like at the next level. You know, like that big that that taller guy. That's probably more like your like an Antoine Wesley for the for Arizona Cardinals who pops once in a while. You know, he's got that big size, but yeah, nothing nothing super special. I got you. Uh, we're going to roll into tight ends, which we don't even like to talk about tight ends. But I do want to talk about one. Uh, Come on. You promised me no tight end talk. Just I thought we were – okay, one tight end. I'm allowing this one tight end. Eric Gilbert. I just want to talk about him. He hasn't done anything, and no one's really been making noise about it. So it's really more like an FYI I'm giving you here. He got into a car crash, I believe, like week one. I'm talking about like right before the game. So he hasn't been playing football for that reason. So – I don't think it's severe. I do expect him back this year. But if you're wondering where is Eric Gilbert, my man, Dirty Mike here was hyping him up, saying that he believes him as a talent. He just he's just he's just hurt. So I, I'm not like out. He's just, you know, we got to wait for a, a solid second half showing. That's about it. No, you got you guys can bring out the pitch for us and go get Mike. He told you to get Eric Gilbert. Now he's not doing nothing. So go get him. <laughs> let him let him know how he steered you wrong. <laughs> No, I love. I actually, I, I actually like Eric Gilbert quite a bit as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm. A, I, I, there's been context there that people haven't really been playing. Plus, they've got a loaded tight end room. I mean, if the guy's not seeing the field, he's not seeing the field. But uh, I still think he's going to go high in this draft. All right, guys, that wraps it up for us tonight. 
Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to check out the other podcast feeds at Campus Akin. On Monday, you got Chasing the Natty. Tuesday, you got Campus Life. I mean, they're doing like three-hour episodes. So, I mean, if you're going on a road trip, please check out Campus Life. Wednesday, you got Bet on C2C. Thursday, you got the Debbie Debate, Canton Bound, the official. And then Friday, you got your favorite show, Back to Debbie. Went a little long tonight. Sorry, but, you know, last week, Corey cut it short. So we're offsetting. 8 to 10 on Saturday, you got the Better Sports app. The tailgate is starting from 10 to 12. And then the fantasy football tonight is going to be whenever the late night show is a late night game is done. That's like going to be like 1130. Just look for notifications. Uh, I hope everyone stays safe out there from the hurricanes. Again, talking about the storm, not the football team. We know the football team is not going to hurt anybody. And some big news, guys. Back to Debbie is moving off of Friday. We are moving to Wednesday mornings. So you guys can get your Debbie intake a little bit earlier in the week. So you guys can get ready for those waiver wires and just you can hear about it sooner. So check in on us. We'll be here on Wednesday. My name is Mike. This is the Ice Liquor Corey. Good night and good luck.